today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Any individual, young or old, male or female, you didn't have to look very far to have their Christian witness tested and to have their faith put on trial. So once again, in his closing words, Paul challenges the brothers and the sisters there at the church in Corinth in verse 13. He says, you need to watch. You need to stand fast in the faith. You need to be brave. You need to be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. The church in Corinth existed amidst a city that was known for its pagan worship and immorality, which caused issues in the church. Paul commends the believers to be strong in the Lord and live in His love. Today, Pastor David also encourages you to stand strong in the Lord and His strength, rather than your own. The heroes of the Bible depended upon the Lord for strength and direction. As you seek to serve the Lord, you also will be enabled to do great things for God. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, Final Words. All too often, we that we've been in the Lord for decades, and we become more concerned about methods and styles rather than really the, the new thing that the Lord wants to do in our midst. We get stuck in our ways. We become too comfortable in our patterns, and change is the enemy. Maybe Paul understood the church of Corinth. Maybe he understood that that was going to be a hard testing ground for young Timothy. So he told him directly, man, give this kid a break. Give him a break. He does the work of the Lord the same as I do. Don't despise him. Send him on his journey in peace. He then moves from young Timothy uh, to the veteran, Apollos. Apollos had been around for a while. He He was a great orator. He was a great spokesman for the Lord Jesus. Verse 12 speaks of Apollos. It says, now concerning our brother Apollos, I, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. Do you read that? I, Paul, said, come on, Apollos, I really want you to go to Corinth. And Apollos is saying, there's no way I'm going to Corinth right now, Paul. Do you hear what it says? He was quite unwilling. It's not like, well, let me pray about this, Paul. Let me think for a minute. No, I'm not going to Corinth. Don't you, wouldn't you love to be able to read the words in between the lines of what kind of a discussion that took place there? But for Paul to say, he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when it's convenient for him, when he has a convenient time. Here's the deal you need to understand. Apollos had already ministered in Corinth. He had already been there. 
He knew the situation at Corinth. There's no way I'm going back to Corinth. Those guys, man, they're, 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 they got these little cliques going. They're, they're, they're suing each other, man. There's sin in the church. They've got, man, their worship service is just crazy, insane, not honoring God. There's no way, Paul, I am not going to Corinth. Now, I may be reading a little bit more into that, but when Paul uses those words, man, he was quite unwilling to come. And knowing the fact that he had been there. And, and we saw even in the opening chapters. Yeah, he was an eloquent, eloquent speaker. He was a great communicator. And yet, at this point in time, I believe because Apollos knew the church all too well, I believe he knew about those cliques. He knew about the inner fighting. He knew all the confusion that went together in their worship service. And he really didn't care to get back into that mess again. It's rather interesting to note that Paul didn't command Apollos to return to Corinth. He left it up to Apollos, how how he was being led by the Spirit of God. And you know what? Church leadership, we can truly get ourselves and others in a fix when we become the determining factor in the placement and the direction of ministry in individuals' lives. That's why a lot of people, they come to us for man insight and direction. Man, I'll pray with you. I'll give you as much wisdom as I can from the word of God. I'll give you experience. But that's, those are decisions that you need to make on your own. I'm not gonna become the one that, that, that leads you around. And yet within Christianity, uh, the, through the years, and it was probably more so back in the 70s, but yet there is still some now. It's called shepherding. The whole idea of shepherding is, is when you come into a church, when you join my church, you recognize that I am the head shepherd of this church. And before you go sell that car, you need to come and talk to me. Before you change your job, you need to come and talk to me. Before you marry that guy or that gal, you need to come and talk to me. And suddenly, these men who were supposedly in leadership, no, they became dictators of these congregations. And what a horrible, horrible thing that is. Because what that says to me is, the Spirit of God's not working in your life. He only works in the leadership life. No, I believe that the Spirit of God will work in your life. Now, you may do some things that I may not understand at all and I may not agree with at all, but you know what? That's your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to rightly divide the word of truth, to proclaim the word of God, to give counsel where I can, but not to direct lives. And I love it here. Paul could have said, Paulus, you need to go and straighten up that mess. Paul says, hey, (laughs) I really do not want to go. That's okay, Paulus, you need to go. I think Paul had that much authority. But I think Paul had enough wisdom to say, that's not my call either. Paulus, if if you don't feel led by the Lord to go to Corinth at this time, hey, when the time comes, you can go. Making a suggestion, giving an encouraging direction, that's one thing. But when the end game comes around, the individual has to be led by the Spirit of God rather than man. And even as we've seen here before, as we've looked here at the church of Corinth, city of Corinth was a cesspool. I mean, the, the city itself was just filled with sin and vice. R- remember what we said earlier on when we started this study, to be Corinthianized 
is to have been indoctrinated into a lifestyle of just this depravity, this wanton sin that just, again, man, just anything goes in life. There's no barriers at all. That's what Corinth was known for in the days. All around the city, there are these never-ending opportunities to walk into areas of wickedness and immorality. Any individual, young or old, male or female, you didn't have to look very far to have their Christian witness tested and to have their faith put on trial. So once again, in his closing words, Paul challenges the brothers and the sisters there at the church in Corinth in verse 13. He says, you need to watch. You need to stand fast in the faith. You need to be brave. You need to be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. That very word watch, it means to be awake, to be alert. Again, it's the idea that the, the enemy of our souls is, is always looking for a way to trip us up. Always looking for a way to trip us up. He's gonna plant landmines in the path that he knows you're gonna be taking in order that when you get there, man, boom, something's gonna happen. It's gonna rock your world. And the big question you're gonna have to have is, do I continue on doing what God has called me to do or do I, in fear, back away? from it. Even on the paths of righteousness, the enemy is going to seek to find a place to put as many of these landmines, these tripwires, these stumblings as possible. Even while we travel the right road, he's going to seek to cause us harm. That's why we need to stay awake. That's why we need to stay alert. The word tells us that our enemy is like a prowling lion, seeking who he might devour. And who does he devour the easiest? The ones that are on the outside, the ones that are far away. But don't fool yourself. You can be right in the midst of the huddle too. And if you're not awake, if you're not alert, the enemy can, again, mess your life up. He says to stand fast in the faith. That has the meaning, it has the thought of of being firm in your faith. What do you believe and why do you believe it? Do you really know why you believe what you believe and do you believe what you believe with a whole solid heart? Are you firm in your faith? Not allowing something to blow you off course, but to have a mature stability. You, you've seen toddlers before. They, you know, they sometimes take as many steps backwards as they do forward as they're just learning how and they're just all over the room. You, and we think it's so great when they're you know, that little. And you know, any of us, we go over to the toddler, you just bump, push him over and he'll fall down. We, yeah. Now if his mom's around, you're in like deep trouble. A toddler can easily be tripped up easily be just blown over by the slightest of things. You, you that have dogs or cats, when you, when you had kids that were that little, you know the dog or the cat, so excited to see the little kid, just run up to him, boom, the kid's laying on his back. What he's saying here is, no, we need to stand fast in the faith because those that are still babies in the faith, all too often, they're gonna be knocked down by the words and the actions of others. Yeah, even the words and the actions of other Christians. Sometimes when you're young in the faith, the words and the actions of your brothers and sisters can really hurt you and cause you to stumble. Amen? We, we, we see that. That's just the reality. 
as a babe still in faith. We've got this silliness of our own emotional roller coaster. I mean, one day we're doing great in the Lord. Man, we're just on fire for Jesus. And the next day it's like, man, I'm in the pits and I can't do anything right at all. I, man, it's like up and down and up and down and I'm twisted, I'm turned inside out and there's nothing stable in my life. As, as a babe in our faith, we can be guided by misunderstandings sometimes by simple human fears. We need to grow in our faith. If you are young in the Lord, and you know what? Young in the Lord has absolutely nothing to do with time, but it has everything to do with commitment. For someone to be a believer for years, five years, 10 years, and you're still a babe in Christ, I dare say your commitment to the Lord Jesus is not where it needs to be. You're you're still a babe in faith and you need to be growing in your faith. We need to grow in faith. We need to stabilize our walk in Christ. Our faith walk should look more like those gentle rolling hills around San Antonio than they should look, than they should look like the roller coasters of Six Flags, okay? Our life, we're gonna have ups and downs in our life. I don't care how mature you are. You're gonna have ups and downs. But it not not be like a roller coaster where, man, one day, man, it's a skyrocket. The next day, it's a crash and burn. The next day, it's a skyrocket. The next day, it's a crash and burn. Nobody can handle that. And we're not meant to. We need to grow. We need to stand firm. We need to stand fast. And then he says, you, you, you need also to be brave. Well, that's pretty easy to understand, to be brave. Do we know that, what that means? Do you know that bravery is not the absence of fear? Bravery is not the absence of fear. And you can ask any first responder, you can ask any soldier that ever faced any kind of combat. Bravery is the attitude that allows someone to continue to move forward even though it appears as though the odds are completely against them. Bravery continues forward when everything else is pushing them backwards. Bravery continues. It's an attitude that overcomes the emotion of fear. Bravery is willing to stand even to the very end for a cause or for a purpose that you know to be right, even to the point of your own life. Bravery is the ability to give your own life for the life of another. Not a lack of fear, but it's a determination of the heart and the mind that I'm going to continue on, I'm going to press on. When you add to this list that last phrase, be strong, it brings to mind the words of Moses to to Joshua and and the words of God to Joshua and the words of people to Joshua. Uh, All of them were telling Joshua, be strong and be brave, be courageous. Why do you think that Joshua had to be told by both Moses and, and God and the people to be strong and be courageous? Because Moses, or because Joshua didn't feel strong, and he didn't feel courageous. Suddenly, he got stuck leading all these stiff-necked people. Now, it's your job. This is your calling. This is your place. God has put you in this position. You need to be strong. You need to be courageous. 
Reminds us of the words of the prophets, to really to the people of God and the words of God to all the people over and over. We hear it spoken of. We hear that word be strong in combination quite often of with be strong, be of good courage, be strong and do not fear, be strong, do not be dismayed. All of these Old Testament declarations we can read. In the New Testament, it's only the Apostle Paul that uses this phrase. Once here in 1 Corinthians 16, and then two other times in his own writings, recognizing that our strength will never be sufficient in and of itself. Paul encourages the believers in Ephesus in Ephesians 6.10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong, what? In the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you try to do it on your own, number one, you're foolish, but secondly, you're gonna fail. You'll never be able to stand in your own strength against the enemy, Christian. I don't care how strong you think you are, how long you've been in Christ. If you're in your own strength, the enemy will knock you over. You've got to stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In in writing his closing words to Timothy, he directs him to find his strength, for Timothy to find his strength in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.1, he says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul tells the church in Corinth, watch, stand fast in faith, be brave, and be strong. And then above all that, he says in verse 14, let all that you do be done with love. That's that kind of agape love that we spoke about in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Self-sacrificial, others-directed. And then he ends it up with these words, verse 15. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that he is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, and that they, they, and what was lacking on your part, they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. These three men, they'd come, they brought the letter with them and they came and encouraged. They, they ministered to the Apostle Paul during times of trouble, during times of distress. The, the whole church couldn't come, but these men came as a representative. They came with a heart of service. They came with a heart of ministry. They had already shown themselves in the past to be men of love, to be men of service, to be men of humility. And then they, they served the saints there in Corinth. And now they came to Paul ministering to his needs. These great men of faith walking humbly before God and man, standing now with Paul. And Paul had the opportunity actually baptizing only a few there in Corinth. And it turns out that the household of Stephanus was one of those few. He writes in verse 19, he says, the churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The salutation with my own hand, Paul's. Aquila and Priscilla, or Priscilla and Aquila. Paul had met them in Corinth. They had worked alongside him for a season. They were the same trade. They were tent makers together. 
we originally find out about uh, Aquila and Priscilla. They had been exiled from Rome because though they were Christians, they were Jews, and Rome had this purging of the Jews at that time frame. So they had to leave even though they were Jewish Christians. Paul met them in Corinth at that point in time. Then from there, they started ministering in that great city along with Paul. We find that Priscilla and Aquila, they moved a lot of times within the writings of the New Testament. Of course, beginning in Rome, then to Corinth, then to Antioch, then to Ephesus, and then back to Rome. Sometimes the moves were out of persecution. However, most of the moves were simply out of ministry and service to the Lord Jesus. We've shared this story with many of you, but in our first 25 years of life, we moved 23 times. Our married life, that is, our first 25 years of married life. 23 times. Most of that was either work-related or ministry-related. Why? We just wanted to be close to the church that we were serving at. And that's before I ever got on staff on any church. That's just because we love God's people. We wanted to be near where the heart of our life was with that. So I can really understand for Aquila and Priscilla, man, all of these moves. It was a heart of ministry. Wherever the need was, that's where they went. They were faithful servants. They knew that their true home wasn't anything on this terra firma. Their true home was in the heavenlies. Pause to think about the situations in your own life. The things that appear to be current hardships, but that God could turn around for his glory and for his purposes. It's not for me to declare the what and the how, but it is for me to encourage you to look beyond the immediate and wait for the hand of the Lord to be revealed in each one of your lives and within each one of your families. This last thing, he says, greet each other with a holy kiss. Now that's definitely a cultural thing, okay? I think a, a holy handshake, a holy hug, works, uh, it works wonders right now. Again, it's, it's just a physical action of, of showing love and showing concern for each other. Paul then tells him in the last section, he says, this is written with my own hand. Most scholars understand that Paul, in this thorn of the flesh, most likely was a problem with his eyes. A lot of things we could go into do that, but the normal procedure was that Paul would dictate the letter and then usually just sign the the very end of it, the salutation. He writes in 22, he says, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Then he says, oh Lord, come. Paul knew that there was a judgment that was coming on all mankind. Paul was so fervent for the things of the Lord. He desired that every man would come to the Lord, but he also knew in the world that he lived in that not every man would, that many would reject the claims of Christ, many would stay in, in, in the filth of a, of a society like Corinth or in the pagan world of, of that, that just surrounded them all. He said, if you don't love the Lord, you're going to be accursed. That's just the reality of it. Anathema is the Greek word, to be accursed, to be condemned. But then he ends it up with Maranatha, Lord come, Lord come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, grace, that gift, that favor, that benefit, that credit that comes from God, on your behalf, not because you deserve it, because of the greatness of our God. So my prayer for you tonight is, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and my love 
be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a home church and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following the links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. Hey, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 1 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word.